Hello and welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I am Malcolm Childs. And I am James Giffins. And this is Just Making Conversation. The show where we discuss the sludge and slurry of the model-making hobby that we both love so much. From the greasy sprues to the gloss coats and everything in between. Wherever you are listening to us, please do consider leaving a review or five stars as it promotes this podcast to more people to enjoy. Also consider tossing a coin to your podcaster on our Patreon. It just helps us a bit to carry on making content for you. In this episode, the Just Making Conversation will be all about paints, the hairy sticks and the airy sticks and everything thin between. Paints can open a world of possibilities to your build, but also a world of frustration. Do you have a paint that you go to every time or even paints you've never used? So it's time for a good shake and dip in our pots. I've got lots of different paints. I've got lots of thinners. I've got the sticks with the hair on, the airy stick. Yeah. <laughs> airy stick. My airy stick. Your airy stick and a hairy stick. Which do you prefer? Um, in all seriousness, it depends on what I'm doing, uh, if I'm honest. If it's a figure, uh, a stick with hair on. If it's a, a, a more bulky item, it would be an, an airbrush. It, yeah, it all depends on what, what the actual physical thing is I'm building. I mean, certainly for detail, I'd, I'd say to use a brush. But sometimes you want that gradation. Only an airbrush can do that, I'd say. Yes. Yes. It, yeah, sometimes you do need that. But then also you, you can use filters and stuff to, to achieve that same. Having a, a bigger model with a small bit of detail on, having the skill to use an airbrush to do a thin line or a a small object is that in itself it's it's another skill another level it is but then you know to be able to do the filters and the blending and wet blending for instance with a paintbrush that takes skill too mm. yeah so there's skill involved in everything i think airbrushes i think people tend to buy an airbrush thinking it's the answer to their painting difficulties to find there's even more painting difficulties when you have an airbrush it's one of the, the mysteries of the hobby, isn't it? It's very similar to the actual paints as well. You see people make a model, and one of the first questions people always ask is, what is the kit and what is the paint you used? What's the products you use? Because if I buy those products, I can manipulate my models to be just as good as yours. And it's not, it's not always the case. Because, let's face it, there's so many different types of paint out there, um, or, or brands of paint, rather. Because you're, you've really only got effectively two choices. You've got enamels or you've got acrylics. And both have pros and cons. I used to use enamels years ago when I was a little wee boy painting models. I remember painting a Tomcat, a 148 scale Tomcat in blue enamel. And it pretty much ruined the brush that I was using. Obviously, it ruined the model um, <laughs> and possibly the carpet. Yeah, I remember it just being really smelly, really difficult to open the lid, really hard to get some proper paint down. Well, I was only young, but I remember it not being fun. So I haven't ever gone back to enamels. I just, I just prefer the acrylics um, just because of ease. Are you going to tell me that you're an enamel convert? 
Well, I, I've got a very similar background. You know, when I started model making as a kid, enamels were the paints that there were, and that's what we used. It's fairly recently that I've converted to acrylics. And if I'm honest, I didn't think you could blend enamels. I thought it was just solid colours, and that's all you could do with them. Hmm. A little did I know that that's not the case. Um, and I've been very fortunate to watch people who can manipulate enamels just as much as you would acrylics. It's something in which I, I've still got my enamels. <laughs> some of them won't be very good, but some of them will be fine. But I've still got them, and I will go back to them at some point, and I will try to put in practice some of the things I've learned to do with acrylics. Uh, Robert Blocker, for example, over in the Netherlands, he only uses enamels. That's all he uses. Now, he can do a 135th figure of a pilot, for example, and he can manipulate the paint that well that he can put a shadow in the goggles of the pilot. Wow. So, and that's all with enamels. So the, the process of, of thinning your paints and, and working in layers, et cetera, et cetera, can still be applied with enamels as much as it can acrylics. But what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to hog the conversation for a second because I have done some homework. Good Lord. Are you looking for points? <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown in a second of the pros and cons of acrylics and enamels. Mm. So the first thing to remember is the chemistry of paints. Now, this is going to be exciting. I'm going to get my white coat on. Remember in your paint that you have a combination of four distinct properties. So your first one would be your pigment, powder that provides colour. You've got the binder, which holds the pigment particles and provides good adhesion. You've got the solvent, which is the medium that disperses the binder and pigment. And of course, you've got the additive, which modifies the paint's properties, the way it dries, the way it flows, etc. And the main differences between acrylic and enamel paints then comes down to the solvent used. Acrylic uses water, and then we'll use oil. So is that the only physical difference between the two, then? Pretty much, yeah. Oh. Here are a very quick rundown of the pros and cons for acrylic paint and enamel paint. With acrylic paints, so it's quick drying, touch dry within 10 to 15 minutes. Easy to thin, you use water or alcohol. Easy to dry brush. Useful for glazes and washes. An extensive range of colours availability. Easy to clean from your brushes and it's non-toxic with no fumes. But the cons, the downsides to acrylics, is the hardest to get good coverage. So you need to do in coats in layers to obtain the correct depth of colour. Leaves unsightly brush marks. Doesn't adhere well to smooth surfaces, so you do need to use a primer. Not hard wearing, tends to peel and can be hard to remove. Interesting that it would have those two cons next to each other. How does that work? It peels really easily, but also it's really hard to remove. Yes. Now, I wouldn't agree with some of those points. With the paints that I use and the way that I use my paints, maybe. I don't think that's a completely correct list, I guess. What do you think? No, I would agree. But that gives me a good segue to go straight into the enamel pros and cons. All right, hit me. So enamels, uh, the slow and st the slow and steady option. Um, so the pros to this 
is that it gives you a constant covering which holds the color well gives you a nice hard surface coat finish with no signs of brush strokes can be applied uh, without a primer easy to remove from your models using spirits the cons a long drying time 24 hours normally oil separates after sh extended shelf life so requires remixing harder to airbrush requires more thinning than you would acrylics less colors available and much more toxic and gives off fumes now i'm going to tell you i I've, I've not written down these pros and cons but it feels to me almost like the person that wrote this particular list uses enamels don't you think so mm, yeah yeah the reason i i use this is because i wanted to highlight one of the biggest things biggest areas of gripe and problems that's created within the hobby mm. is that use whatever you have or is available to you as with everything in the world of scale modeling take your creative license and run with it so it doesn't really matter what paints you have because all of them regardless of what whether it's acrylics or enamels all of them require time practice 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 a bit more and don't give up and learning the, the skills that you need to achieve the goals that you want within your paint mm. yeah that's interesting because all of those things bar a couple of them can be mitigated with other products or skills or techniques. Yeah. I'm sure it's reasonably easy to airbrush with enamels just because you need to thin it a bit more. And brush strokes in acrylics, only if, if you use very thin layers, you can brush strokes in it. And then you also get brush strokes in enamels unless you thin it. So Yeah, when I read the list, I thought to myself, well, yeah, that's, yeah, okay, I agree with some of it. The brush strokes, again, when I first started using acrylics, I remember that I bought an Airfix kit. In that kit, it had a brush, had some glue, and had some pots of paint, tester pots. And I found the paint, to be polite, not that good. I couldn't really paint my model properly. Right. But the reason, one of the reasons I didn't paint it properly is because I hadn't primed the surface, because I didn't know I had to. Once you primed the surface, I still found it difficult, still didn't give me the results I wanted. And then purely by accident, um, i.e. the fact that a shop was shut in and that the paint they were having to get rid of, they had a lot of, which was called model colour. Um, and I bought a couple of those pots, thinking, well, it's cheap, I can give me something to practice with. Now, I get on really well with them um, because I suddenly learned if you thin them or, or use a, a palette, wet palette, it gives you a better flow because you, you added a little bit of water on there and that gets rid of the brush stroke. So... Yes, it's a con, but yet again, it's another it's another factor of be aware that that's something you need to look out for and learn the techniques to make sure you don't get it. It doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means you've got to learn to overcome it. If that's all you had, say you were on a desert island and all you had was, you know, you, you were looking for food on your desert island and you opened up a crate and inside was a ton of humble paints and some fix kits and that's what now that's what you're gonna have to do uh obviously you carried on looking for food but, <laughs> <laughs> but hypothetically all you had to do was use the, those humbles after a while after practice and after carrying on you would be fantastic at those enamels and I, you wouldn't want to use anything else i got very good with enamels as, as a youngster i got very good with it but what i what i hadn't 
I come across or learned was the fact you could thin them and mix them and blend them. Mm. I, I hadn't learned that. So my models are great as long as they were a block color. Sharing all these different ideas of how to mix paint, how to thin paint, um, what techniques to use can mean that you end up learning all sorts of different ways of doing things. You know, this is a really good idea to share your knowledge with others. And I know yeah. we're not going to talk about social media, but that's one of the things we're going to talk about on another show. I think it's also important to, to, to say with the ombro acrylics, they've got quite a bad reputation, but it wasn't that long ago. That's all the paint I had and they do work. The only thing that you have to watch out for is that the pigments in Humbro acrylics can be quite harsh. And all that actually means is that they're quite lumpy. Don't get a completely smooth surface. But if you, if you thin them and do them in thinner coats, I think that probably, you probably overcome that. So all the Humbro acrylics that I bought, which is 20 odd ish, they're all still here on my shelf. They, they, I won't throw them away because I'm tight, <laughs> but I will use them. And sometimes the color is a better color for me than something else. The only thing I would personally say, the fumes are not good for you. Yeah, I wouldn't use animals in the house just because they smell so bad. I don't, yeah. You know, my dad would be quite happy with it because obviously he gave them to me when I was young, which may explain uh, my low IQ. <laughs> <laughs> So what is your go-to paint, Malcolm? Um, Tamiya is my paint of choice. I've used it since I was a teenager um, when I was painting RC cars, and I've used it ever since. It, it seems to, I know exactly what it's going to do. I put it in an airbrush, I thin it a bit, I know how it's going to come out. My process for painting something is I prime it, and then I paint it, and I was always painted it with, with uh, Tamiya. Well, I won't brush paint with it. I find it just, you leave the top off for five minutes, it just goes sticky and hard and yuck. And open it up, pour it, close the lid up, and thin it in the, in the brush. Um, oh. That's my process. That's my go-to. Um, Mr. Hobby, I find, is very similar. I don't know if you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, not yeah. only the fact that they're in the similar size, similar pots, but um, I also find them to be a very similar um a type of acrylic and similar thinning properties mm. uh, but i also think that the range of colors of mr hobby is better actually um than the tamiya ones it seems to be quite limited with the tamiya paints and you have to mix paints up i'm not very good at i think tamiya and humbrol are what's the best way i can put this you know how airfix for example there's a, a lot of people will complain about airfix and humbrol because they're obviously linked mm -hmm. um in company but they, they, the, the, one of the bigger complaints for that company would be they're sort of stuck in the back in the old days sort of process. Um, Tamiya don't get the same comments, but they are very similar in their approach. And that being that back in the day, you wouldn't have a large range of paints. You would mix certain paints to get a certain shade, and that's how they pretty much stuck to the other company that's not far behind with that really is the Revell paints. They're the similar, you know, you look at a Revell instruction and you, you're, you're mixing paint. When you start talking about model color and Mr. Hobby, their range is much bigger. That color that you mix, they've got it for you in a color. That's it's there. You don't have to mix it. It's there. 
Um, and I find that's that's interesting, the fact that those three companies that are, are effectively the old guard, um, only one really gets criticised for that. Talk about Vallejo's range of paints. They have every single colour ever produced by humans and God <laughs> alike. Vallejo model colour, Vallejo game colour, Vallejo model air, every colour you need. Mm. I, I love the fact they're in dropper bottles. If I was going to figure paint something, it's certainly something I would use. But going back, what, what paint would you use? What's your go-to? What's your go-to paint? My go-to paint is model colour. And that's purely down to the fact that, um, I can't remember the name of the shop now, but there was a, a shop in the UK that closed down. And I happened to visit a friend and popped in to see if there was, because it was closing down sale, there must be some really good deals. And uh, all the kits and stuff were still very expensive. Their paint was, um, I think, 30p a bottle or something like that at the time. Wow. So I literally... Oh, was stood... it in old money? Yeah, yeah, yeah 30, 30 pence in shillings and all that. Yeah, yeah. so it was like really, really cheap. So I literally stood at the rack. My first thought was, I'm going to have one of every bottle. That's what I started picking out. And then I started adding up and thinking, well, actually, no, I can't do that because there's something like 400 different colours, roughly. That's a, that, that's just off the top of my head. It's not far off that. So I put them all back, picked out the ones that I thought I would use. So, you know, you go for the, the German field grey, the olive drab and all those sort of colours. So I had a good selection. So obviously with some of those, like the olive drab, and I know I'm going to use more than one of those. Uh, so I doubled up on it. Anyway, I spent an absolute fortune on this paint even though it was cheap for for the time that I bought it. I didn't have an awful lot of money, but I, I bought a, quite a, a lump. Um, and I love them. Mm. And it's purely, like I said, right near the beginning, it's really the fact, the only reason I really love them is because that's the paint I've got, that's the paint I've used, and that's the paint I've learned how to use. To the point now where I am nah, probably not far off from half or just over half of the range I've now got in front of me on my bench. I'm lucky to have the space for it. But yeah, but then you get, <laughs> then they bring out things like the mech colours and you're like, oh, oh there's new colours. No, they're not. They're the same colours. It's just in a different bottle. But they bring them out in packs, and which makes it cheaper to buy, you know, those single ones individually. Mm. I just think it's quite a nice idea. I mean, especially like their flesh shades and leather or the set of blacks i think they have six different black colors mm -hmm. yeah was that, or is that life color life colors is a similar thing you know they're funny enough life color i've got some of their paints i'm not overly keen on them uh, if i'm honest okay i think Probably. you should revisit life color then because i i've found life color is kind of in the middle of vallejo and tamia for me so you can brush paint uh, life color mm. you can spray it Re both reasonably good um life color seems to be a bit more slippery a bit more greasy than <laughs> that right describing word for it i don't know but yeah. <laughs> yeah but i mean it's 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 same with um i mean i've i've had some um model air paint mm -hmm. didn't yeah. get on with it at all hated it absolutely hated it wow. but it's the same paint as what i've got the the only difference is is it's thinned to go through an airbrush and i think that's probably what i like about the model color so much is it is it's more of a figure paint as paint it's more similar to i would guess a citadel paint mm -hmm. yeah um but because i can thin it for an, a, a, an airbrush technique 
it does both jobs for me. Yeah. Do you you do you spray your model color? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How do you do that? I just thin it down. You tend to find with model color that you're going to use um, a a thinning product of some description. You can buy their own product or you can use other products with it as well. I personally use UMP thinner. Does exactly what it says on the tin. I, I put it into a little plastic pill cup and I put something like 70% of a thinner to paint ratio and it gives you quite a nice viscosity to airbrush with and what was the ratio again about 70 percent. i don't measure it out so it's just really to the way in which it sticks to the side of the cup and as you recall from our last show i have a twizzle coffee stick maker pain stirrer <laughs> which is <laughs> a coffee stirrer whatever. i don't think we called it a twizzle it was um yeah coffee stirrer wasn't it or no yeah. cappuccino maker Cappuccino maker, yes. No, I'm not mm. a cappuccino maker. It's a, it's a paint product thingy. But, yeah, so I mix it up with that. I generally, um, most of the time, I do it by sound, would you believe? Because of the sound of the machine against the plastic, I can tell roughly whether it's too thick or too thin. And I would hold my plastic pill cup at an angle so I don't get my face covered in paint. But, yeah, so sound and, and the way it sticks to the side of the cup. Sound, I think, is so important, especially with your airbrushing. Mm. You're listening to that air coming out of that teeny weeny hole, and it makes mm. a sound, makes a different sound. If something's spitting, you can hear it. If it's too thick, you can hear it. If it's too thin, mm. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> it certainly is something that you use, isn't it? Your oral ability in your airbrushing. And yeah, that's interesting that you, you use the sound. I started off with airbrushing because I was uncertain as to whether it was something I wanted to do. I bought a cheap Chinese airbrush and compressor package that you can buy on the internet for not a lot of money. Little did I know that the compressor had a very short shelf life and so did the airbrush. <laughs> now, this will amuse you. I've later found out the reason the Chinese airbrush wasn't working was because I hadn't maintained it properly and I didn't realize I had to. Note to anybody who may be going into airbrushing, watch a few videos and find out what you need to do and not to do to your airbrush. However, for my birthday, my children bought me the Hardened Steenbeck Ultra. I have progressed from my Chinese to that one in short order, really. This particular airbrush comes with two color cups, one large and one small, so you can alternate the color cups. Oh, I see. Swap the colors. Yeah, swap yeah. them over. Which I thought was fantastic. My father and I, many moons back, had gone to a show. I think it was a railway um, exhibition of some description. But I bought this airbrush and I bought um, a hose as well. But the hose didn't fit the airbrush and it didn't fit the compressor I had at the time. So it went back in the drawer. That particular airbrush has turned out to be my favourite, which is a Badger Patriot. They're a good all-round brush really easy to maintain if you're clever and you can regulate the pressure in which you use you can get down to quite a fine line with it if you practice three four years ago now uh, badger did a um a birthday celebration uh, for the owner of badger and he decided to sell every airbrush that he made for 55 dollars it was because it was his 55th birthday and i thought 
I'll have some of that. So I bought myself another Patriot. I bought myself a Sotar 2020, which is a much more for detail work. You can get really, really, really good fine detail with that. I've not learned it properly yet, but yeah, very good airbrush. But yeah, so I'm very fortunate. I have actually got a total of six airbrushes and all, of which I use for different things. So now the Chinese airbrush, um, that would be for lacquer, something that's going to be aggressive to the seals and to the metal of the, the airbrush. So uh, that doesn't mean it, it suddenly develops holes and falls apart. It just means it, it looks nice and shiny. Then after a while, it takes the chrome off it. So yeah, so I'm very fortunate, and like I say, at the moment, my my go-to airbrush is the Patriot, and the Sotar would be if I'm doing something detailed. Okay. How about yourself? So when I was younger, I did some airbrushing with my dad for a Blue Peter competition, and the way my dad wanted to do it was to use an airbrush with a design, right? Uh-huh. So I don't know whether he had from his uh, railway painting days. Uh, an airbrush for that and we spent an evening using an airbrush to make this uh, design for this blue peter competition which was fun um and many 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 moons later um i've moved out got my own house got kids and i'm getting back into the hobby and my dad comes over to visit one day and he brings this airbrush with him because he knew that i was in the market for an airbrush and it's the same one and it's got the same compressor so i still have that airbrush, which is a Bayless company that Badger used to be, uh-huh. or they, I think that the, well, I know the link to them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, old airbrush, very good airbrush. Now, to get a set of seals for it, it was about twenty quid. Uh-huh. Right, you can buy an airbrush for twenty quid. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with my dad saying, "Look, I can just get buy a new airbrush. Job done. You don't have to, you don't have to buy any more seals for it." I did. I spent twenty quid on. A cheap one from Amazon, you know? Mm, um, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a non-brand item, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, it is. So I bought that, and um, it served me very, very well. I use it all the time. Um, I use it for everything. So I use it for primer, I use it for metallics, I use it for fine detail work if I need to, everything. I clean it out afterwards. Not, not very well. There's bits of paint stuck to the outside and things like that. But this this airbrush, well, you know, touch wood, <laughs> has served me well for the good last three years. Uh-huh. Uh, a friend of mine got me a um, sonic cleaner, uh, CA2, and so he sent me one, and I've used that with it, and it's, it's really good. It's a workhorse with some uh-huh. lengths. But I find it's fantastic, and I, I don't see yet, the reason to buy a new airbrush because it's doing me doing a good job and i guess it's, it comes down to the tools thing doesn't it if you if you're able to use a tool well efficiently and successfully then why change it that along with the fact that you look after your tool i guess so yeah uh, and sometimes like when i've sprayed like gloss through it and i've forgotten yeah. but it's very serviceable you can take it all apart put it all back back together again the only thing I do find is with this 2.2 needle is the primer that I use struggles some, somewhat sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and he's, this primer needs to be warm, like literally warm. Yeah. Uh, this is the Steinol Res. The one I've got is a, the rebranded UMP one. 
So especially with primer in the Steiner it's very good primer. It's best if you get it a little warm to help it flow that little bit easier. It also makes a difference with the air. I mean, we're talking about molecular level here, but you'll you'll find if it's a humid day, the airbrush will get quite spluttery, um, even if you do have moisture traps on it. You know, the air will get compressed, the moisture will be removed from the air, end up in your moisture trap and it affects the way the airbrush works i've got two moisture traps on mine and this summer i could i couldn't do any airbrushing at all this is well enough to cope but yeah certainly um, temperature makes a difference and you don't get these problems with brush painting do you so much i don't think it's not as, as a finicky well you do depending on what you do i mean if i'm if i'm brush painting my paints i use a palette the palette dries out it dries on top of the the paper that i use yeah, room temperature makes a massive difference, always. To use a, a wet palette, it'll guess it will. It keeps it moist uh, for moist. longer, yes. It, it certainly does. I mean, I, I've got a wet palette with a relatively good seal on it, um, so it should keep the, the moisture in. So I can, in theory, I can leave it for several days and I can come back to it and it's all good. But, you know, certainly through the summer, that's not necessarily the case. Mm. And with the airbrushing, you do notice a big difference. In, in the conditions of the of the, the place in which you're spraying. Definitely. Definitely. So just out of curiosity, really, the, the old airbrush, you've not replaced the seals? Or? No, I haven't. Just because I don't see the point. You know me, I don't make that many models a year anyway. Mm. So it's not like I'm using it every single day. Mm. I use, you know, I use this once a month. <laughs> so but, just, out, just out of curiosity then, have you tried beeswax? Yeah, no, I've heard about that beeswax um i haven't no do you know how to apply it yeah it's very 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 simple you get a bar of beeswax and you just rub it around where the seal would go and then tighten up the the nuts etc to the point where it should seal i think it'd certainly be worth giving it a go if you if you give it a go i I guarantee you it will work cool pop it in the post yeah no problem So that brings us nicely on to hairy sticks or airy sticks. Hairy with a H, that is. Do you like the word hairy stick? Um, personally, I, I'm not offended by it. It, it. it makes no difference to me whatsoever. It is a good description of a paintbrush. Let's be honest. It's a stick with hairs on. Yes, I find it quite comical, to be honest. There's, so there are people out there that find it demeaning, you know, um, I, I feel it's, I think, sad that someone would feel that that would be demeaning or someone that would want to use that word to be demeaning. Uh, and I think people have tweaked to that oh, fact that it's, right. it's demeaning, a word that's being used and batted around in a demeaning manner. And so okay. as soon as they hear it, they just assume you're going to be demeaning. Hmm. Yeah, I was, I was quite surprised when I've heard people get upset. Um, this is a, a paintbrush I've had since I was a child, I have absolutely no idea what brand it is. I have absolutely no idea what size or or series it is. It's just an old generic paintbrush. Everything I've ever built has had this paintbrush brush something on it. Because <laughs> exactly the right size, exactly the right amount of bristles. It's covered in bits of paint and God knows what else. Because they use it for all sorts of things. It's a really good dry brushing brush. It's like I get buried with this thing. It's perfect. Um, it's even got like a couple of bristles that's got PVA on it, but that's okay because I know they're there, so I can mitigate 
it's got a flat end, so it's really good for um, brushing wings and a wide amount of paint on something. Fits in my hand nicely. It's an orange color. That's cool. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's almost, it, it, almost to a degree, it's your... Um... This paintbrush has been on my model, and I, I can now say this is finished. I've finished this model now. <laughs> it's just like one of those rituals in which you go through. Giving them their proper nomenclature. What paintbrush brands do you use? What do you do? You have a favourite? Do you have a, a one that you hate? Do you have a favourite paintbrush you want to use for everything? Going along the same lines as everything else in my life, I'm going to be controversial. Uh, all right, uh, get comfortable, everybody. In that, my main brush that I would go to would be a Humbrol brush. Strangely, some people would find that really weird because there are very many other makes out there. Uh, of much better quality but i the reason i am like that if i'm honest is because i'm not very kind to my brushes they do get used and abused and i just don't really see the point of spending an absolute fortune on brushes but with that said i have just recently purchased a load of brushes well actually it was a year ago now so last year at telford i bought myself a selection of brushes uh, they're not like big expensive brushes, but they are sable hair brushes, uh, so good quality brushes, uh, of which I've used one or two of them twice, three times, and I'm scared to use them because I don't want I don't want to muck them up, but I will do at time I, when the time comes. When my humble supply of brushes runs out, I will go on to them. That's what I use generally, just humble brushes. I think that's a rare thing. Uh, I think a lot of people don't look after their brushes. You know, they paint, they swill it around in the water, and just get back in the pot, and that's it. You know, I found that when I did purchase an expensive brush, oh, did I look after that? Oh. I looked after that brush like it was my own child. It had its own pot. It didn't stay in the pot with the other brushes. It had its own pot, and I put the plastic cover back on it every single time. And that's one of the uh, Windsor and Newton Series 7. Which are very good paint brushes. They're amazing. I've had this brush for... Uh, must have been four years ago i bought this mm. i felt dirty buying it because it's so expensive <laughs> but i want to try it and oh yeah i mean it's still got its point but you yeah, know it's it's brilliant and i don't know because i look after this or it's because it's a good brush um, that it still remains as pointy as good as it was when i bought it i don't know i do use it but i use it rarely and i don't dunk it right in the paint which i know a lot of people do which kind of ruins the feral, doesn't it? Uh. I, I recommend you buy yourself an expensive brush, really, really look after it, and I think it will serve you well and remain your friend. I think that goes back to what we were saying last week, wasn't it? It's a tool at the end of the day. We could have done it in the tool section. Don't necessarily go for the cheaper option. It's not necessarily going to be the cheaper option. But what I would say is if you're starting out or you you don't feel that your skills in, in brushing is is where you want it to be, then stick to the cheaper ones because it doesn't matter if you throw those ones away so much. But then also, the other side of the coin, which is where I'm at now, is yes, I'm using humble brushes because I'm trying to learn how to look after them before I use the ones that I've bought that have all got their own little spot in each drawer with their pillows and duvets over them and all that sort of thing. And I, I will use them definitely in time, but I just I want to practice a little bit more. <laughs> Looking after your brush, I think, is important. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Long gone are the days where I'd stick my paintbrush into a tub of an animal and then give it a very minuscule swish around in a jar of white spirits and then throw it on the side and go, that'd be fine for next time. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not that bad, but I'm not far off either, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a brush that's your favourite brush? Uh, oh, it just so happens on the desk I have got three brushes. Gosh, it's almost like we planned it. <laughs> and surprisingly enough, they are all Humbra brushes. Powpole brush, which is a detail brush. I've got a number four Humbra. I've got a, a number three stipple brush. And I have got a number three flat brush. Mm. So they are the ones in which I generally will use. The stipple brush is the one that I do most my dry brushing with. Um, because that's I, I get on with that one. So, yeah, I suppose out of the four brushes I use the most, I guess I was going to say I use my number four the most. Yeah. Which is a, a rounded utility brush, I think would be my way of saying. Picture up on Facebook. I shall, I'll do a, a picture of my brushes. I've actually got, I think, from all right, saying, I've actually got four of these number fours in various stages of disregard. <laughs> um I've used this one for a good couple of months and it's starting to lose its its end. To I started to lose its end, so I decided to get some scissors to it and trim it back into shape. Doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they are my main ones. The other ones actually I have got. And I'm just gonna reach over to my box of goodies, my drawers, and I will put a picture up in our media to show you how anal I am with my brushes. Um, because I have taken the time to separate them all. And in this box, in this, this drawer, which is my main go-to drawer for brushes, I've got a section of Humbrols. I've got a section of Atelieri. 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 Paintbrushes, which has got um, the easy grip handles. So instead of it being round, it's got three flat edges where you put your fingers when you're paintbrushing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have got my Revell paintbrushes, which is not a rounded shaped handle. It is a triangular shaped handle all the way along its shaft. They look quite posh, but they're not. But they're quite good as well. Especially, I would say, with the, the one thing I like about it, with figure painting, where you've got the ability to grip your shaft in a certain way, it gives you a lot more control over your, your paintbrush. So when detail painting, for me, that's really important. There's a health warning label pretty much on most pots of paint. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to be aware of your products, of, of what you're using. Because mm -hmm. we've talked about enamels and the fact that you've got spirits and all that toxic fumes and all that sort of stuff. But what you've got to remember is even an airbrush cleaner, for example, has got ingredients in it. Paints have got ingredients in it that obviously remember that you're atomizing your products. So word of warning, use ventilation, an airbrush booth to extract the atomized things out of a window. If you've got a, a room that you do your model making in, get it ventilated out outside properly mm. um, and use a mask and take care of yourself because at the end of the day all of these products anything within the hobby really um even to a degree let's be honest even with glues and stuff the fumes of glues obviously we, we all know they cause problems the one that i'm looking at at the moment has got uh, a big flame 
an exclamation mark, and a burning hand. So, <laughs> yeah, don't spill it on your hands. Which I guess I, you do see a lot of painters with their with a glove on. Do you use a glove when you when you paint or airbrush? Yeah, when I when I spray and I I will I I have got an extractor uh, and I will always put a, a glove on my hand. Not necessarily on both hands. I sometimes go Michael Jackson is just the one. <laughs> Are you a brush licker as well? Now, yes, uh, this is controversial. Yes, I am a brush licker. Right, this needs this whole section. This is a whole new section for your <laughs> licking of brushes. Whatever you do in your own uh, <laughs> your own time is up to you. But I would say it was to do with getting a point on the brush, and that's why I do it. I shouldn't. Um, so when I'm I'm painting and I want that point back, I'll stick it in my mouth and suck it. Yes, it, it's <laughs> it's one of those things in which you you do without even realizing. I, I do all the time, and it's not just the point either. It's it's also just the shape of the brush generally so even with a flat brush i quite often will use a bit of spit so to speak mm -hmm. um, and shape it with my my lip yeah because so, i think your lips <laughs> not you specifically <laughs> <laughs> i think your lips are able to manipulate the brush hairs quite well um oh i've all lost my train of thought um because i'm quite tubby okay i have fat hands so when I close my hand slightly, I have a crease, okay? That's what most people probably do as well. And I use that to run the brush through. And that makes the point, yeah? So I'm, yeah. I'm now showing James. So yeah, I yeah. do that, see, right? Uh, that makes the point. And obviously, you can lick it. I think there's a lot of people that use the, the palm of their hand and the creases and, and lifelines and stuff oh. to, to do that. And not everybody likes to run their brush through their crease. Here's my armpit. <laughs> the downside for me is it's it's a habit that I've had since I've been model making. Mm. So when I was young, I used to wash my brushes out in um, white spirits. I used to put the brush in my mouth to get the point. So, yes, I may have consumed a little bit of uh, toxic material that I shouldn't. And I don't recommend that to anybody in any way, shape or form. Is that when you went um, bold? It was probably around the time where I lost my hair. Maybe they're linked. Mm. Um, but now I use solution um, for my brushes because I used to use just normal tap water, which isn't very good. Um, so if you're going to use water in model making, please use um, distilled water because that's much better. It's got all, none of the, the stuff in it. Minerals. But minerals, yes. And chalk and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, and I use that and alcohol as a mix to wash my brushes in, which is very effective, very good. The problem is, is I still put the brush in my mouth, and that's not. It doesn't taste very nice. But it is a really good mechanism for getting that point. Yes. Maybe you you could buy a fake mouth. <laughs> Be careful where you're going, Malcolm. <laughs> and it would have the same. No, well, you wouldn't be able to feel the point, would you? Yeah, that's not the sell, is it? Not the maker's mouth. Oh, actually, you might have a good idea there. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. <laughs> We've got some time left. Let's fill it with nonsense. What do you want to talk about? So we covered paints. We covered hairy sticks. We covered airy sticks without the H. 
if you're going to invest in kit then advice is what you should seek a good way for such advice on how to paint with an airbrush and what is good to use what equipment is good to use is social media mm. youtube and other social media outlets where you can ask maybe in a group or something like that you'll get bombarded with advice but one thing in which i will always tell everybody to bear in mind the advice you will get will be the advice of somebody's experience which may be narrow in its view so painting your model should be as simple as that with the right application tools and method results will bring you both joy and pain so don't forget to practice and practice some more by having a conversation about paints with you in this episode Hopefully this has gone some way to inform you of the pitfalls and the pleasures of colour. It's never just about the paints. You have been listening to Just Making Conversation with James Giffins and Malcolm Childs. Follow us on Facebook where we post photos, updates and other nonsense. Just let us know what you are making and what your thoughts are on the conversation on this episode. We have to thank our supporters who we dearly appreciate. Please support us in any way you can by sharing to Facebook or supporting us on our Patreon.com. Next time, the Just Making Conversation will be all about the gifts at Christmas. Till then. See you later. Goodbye. Bye-bye.